Welcome to the Convergence Church Podcast. Our vision at Convergence is to encounter Jesus and transform cities with His power and His love. If you'd like more information about Convergence and how to plug in, you can visit convergencechurch.com. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy this message. My name is Andrew Fish. My wife, Emily, and I are the senior pastors here at Convergence. If you're a guest, we're so glad you're joining us. If you're watching online, we're glad you're with us as well. Um, really excited. Last week, we had Vision Sunday. Who was here for that? All right. Wow, that's not that many hands. Interesting. Hopefully, you watched the podcast if you missed it. Um, but 2023 has been an amazing year. It really has been a great year. The Lord has done so much in this house in 2023. Uh, We've grown. We've multiplied our table groups. We've seen over 400 plus people come to our Prophetic Reformers event learning to hear the voice of the Lord. Uh, We've seen such amazing things happen this year, and I'm celebrating what the Lord is doing, and I'm excited for 2024. Is anybody excited for 2024? (laughs) I don't know if I'm in the right room this morning. Are we excited about what the Lord is doing right now? Yeah. He's doing so much. And so I just want to quickly just recap a little bit. Um, One thing that he's done this year is is he's taking us deeper. So this year we were building boldly. Next year we are living on a mission. And what we're living on a mission for is to see cities transformed. Not just one city, but cities. I believe the Lord has called this house not to just reach one city, but to actually reach the cities and the nations. And I'm excited about what the Lord's doing. So what he's doing is is he's taking us deeper. Um, As we were praying for this year back in July, I saw a wide expanse. And I felt like what the Lord was doing is not this brand new thing, but he's expanding and deepening who we are and what he's built here, what he's building here. And so we are expanding into a greater season of harvest and living on a mission. And it's important for us to know we're in a season of harvest. We're in a season of growth. We're in a season where things are growing, building, there's expansion that is happening, and it's a wonderful and a beautiful thing. And I'm excited about that as we launch into next year what he's going to do as we step into a deeper place of harvest. Do you know that the Lord wants to use you to impact cities? This isn't just a convergence church corporate thing. This is a you thing. Every single one of us is called to go preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations, and actually see people come to know the man that we've been singing about all morning. And I don't grow tired of it. And if we grow tired of it, something in our heart is off. We can't grow tired of seeing the Lord touch people's lives. We can't grow tired of sharing our testimony. We can't grow tired of living on a mission to see people come to know him and then to see cities, entire nations transformed. And let me tell you something. I preached a few weeks back on the return of Jesus, and I believe that we're drawing closer. If you you need to catch that message, go back. Catch the podcast. As we draw closer 
it becomes more imperative that we live on a mission. I don't want to just look back and say, man, I just, I was comfortable. I lived comfortable. I did my own thing, lived my own life. I want to look back and I want to say, I went after and did everything that I could to see every person on the earth recognize Jesus, encounter Jesus, know who he is, and have their life transformed by him. That's my goal. And I want to invite you into that goal. As we're getting into 2024, we're going to do some practical teaching on this. We're going to dive deeper into what it looks like to live on a mission together. But listen, this can't be, this can't be about me carrying this. It's not going to go very far. It's going to go a lot further if we do it together. I said this last year when we did Vision Sunday. When we go, we go together. We go together. We're doing this as a church family together, okay? So that is Vision 2024. If you did not catch that message last week, I want to encourage you, go back and watch it. We had our team share uh, what the Lord is calling us into, the different things that he's doing, uh, different ministries, different things that he's birthing and expanding in this house. So go back and watch if you have not, okay? All right, let's pray. Lord, we love you. And Lord, my prayer today is from Hebrews 4.12, Lord. It's that your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword to divide the joint from the marrow and to judge rightly the intentions of the heart. So Lord, this morning we ask you that, I ask that your word would speak, that your word speaks much louder than my words. And this morning, as we sang, Lord, we really do surrender all to you this morning. Would you, would you open up our hearts where they need to be opened, Lord? And come and do what only you can do. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. I'm going to grab this remote real quick. I'm going to run through all these slides. Living on a mission. There it is. All right, hey, we're going to dive into another series. Um, we're kind of getting, the Lord's been pouring out a lot in me recently um, we, where he's like, I want you to really dive into this specific series. And I've been like, all right, Lord, I'm going to do it. And as we're in a season of growth, it becomes imperative that we step into this next season with a healthy heart. And so this is what we're going to talk about. I have this cool little retro heart going on. So as we end the year, we're going to talk about what does it look like to have a healthy heart. We're, there's so many things that we could talk about on this. So we're going to dive into several different topics over the course of the next few weeks. Because I really, I had this realization. I was in my quiet time, and I was sitting in my chair. Does anyone else have a chair? I'm not talking about like you have a chair in your house. I'm talking about your chair. Yeah, okay. Some of you, you don't know what I'm talking about. You need to go, you need to find your chair. Okay? <laughs> so I got my chair, and I sit in my chair every morning. And it's one of my favorite parts of the day, just to sit in my chair. Drink my coffee, you know, open the word, listen, 
And so I'm sitting in my chair one morning, and all of a sudden this thought starts to hit me. You deserve this. And, you des and I started to find myself, like, as we, as we were talking about growth, and I was just processing it with the Lord, and I found myself in my heart, like, all of a sudden, this thing rising up in me, like, you deserve to be blessed this way, and you deserve to do things this way, and you deserve to make that decision, Andrew. You deserve to be able to just do that. And as I was sitting there, I was like, what's going on? And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just in that moment said, Andrew, you have, you're dealing with entitlement, and you need to repent now. Can I be vulnerable as a pastor? Pastors deal with entitlement too. Okay. And I sat there in my chair, and now my chair's not feeling nearly as comfortable. <laughs> Coffee is not tasting quite as good. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, Lord, what is going on? Like, I haven't really encountered this before. What is going on? And I really felt... As we grow, see, here's the deal about your heart, guys. Your heart isn't, you, you can't just focus on a healthy heart when things are hard. Sometimes, actually, when things look like they're the best that they've ever been, that actually is even a greater time where we need to look at our heart. And so things are growing, and we're building, and there's all these things happening, and these beautiful things. And I had to go back, and I said, Lord, I repent of entitlement. I repent of any mindset that says that I deserve anything because I don't deserve anything but you. And I get to have you. And the Lord just began to deal with me in my heart. And so as I was processing this, I really felt like this is a word. I've been talking to our staff about, about a healthy heart, and I felt like this was a corporate word that I needed to share this morning. And so when we're in a season of growth, it's really, really important that we look at our heart posture in seasons of growth. And so Emily and I, we were even processing this together, and we were like, we really felt that this is a moment to shepherd and pastor. So I'm going to pastor today. Sometimes I teach. Sometimes we do a lot of um, apostolic and prophetic, but this morning I'm coming to you, at, I'm going to Come, coming as a pastor. And I, I really want to shepherd our hearts. And listen, why does the state of our heart matter? Why does this matter? Right? And as I was thinking about that, I was actually drawn to an interesting verse in Matthew 24. When we're talking about the return of Jesus, this verse is there. And it says, at that time, many will turn away from the faith. And will betray and hate each other. This is Matthew 24, verse 10, if you want to track with me. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Verse 12, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Verse 13, but the one who stands firm. Someone say firm. firm. The one who stands firm to the end will be saved. That word firm is someone who's, you're literally, this is, you're not movable. If I'm standing firm, you can try to push me this way and you can try to push me that way, but my feet are 
in secure soil. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to get tossed by every wind of doctrine. I'm not going to be tossed by what YouTube is saying. I'm not going to be tossed by the political atmosphere of 2024 next year. I'm not going to be tossed by the waves. I'm secure. And I read this verse because wickedness, because the increase of wickedness, and I've always read this verse and I've always thought, it's because people begin to operate in wickedness. Because people then say, okay, if you're doing it, I'm going to do it. But I actually don't think that's what the verse is saying. I think the verse is actually talking about hopelessness. I think it's because of the increase of wickedness, meaning culture's doing this, the world's doing this, everything's shaking, the nations are, are at war, there's rumors of war, not just rumors of war anymore, but actual war. And there's all these things going on, and if we're not careful, we can actually step into a place where our heart begins to grow numb and cold, not because we're participating, but actually because we're so watching it, it begins to enter our hearts. And actually, that's how the love of many grows cold, not because you're doing wicked things but because you're so you're seeing what's happening and you take it in and you're not processing that with the Lord and allowing him to actually heal your heart and all of a sudden we step oh the world's hopeless the white house is hopeless the nations are hopeless my finances are hopeless the world is hopeless and we begin to get there but how do we get there because we're focused on the wickedness not on what God's doing that, I think, is what that verse means. It's that hearts of many actually grow numb to the Lord. Why? Because you behold what you focus on. So this is crucial. Like the state of your heart will be reflected in the way that you lead, communicate, relationships, the way you make decisions, the way you react. And so what do we mean when we talk about our hearts? Right? What's, what do we mean? What we mean is the central place where you process things. We think using our minds, but we process with our hearts. Our heart is our inner being. It is the place where our emotions flow from. It is the place where we feel, process, and make decisions. It's all happening right here. It's not just an organ that's keeping me alive physically. It's an organ that actually emotionally inside my heart, I'm actually processing life through this. And so I love what Solomon says. This is a key verse for this series, and you can turn there in your Bible. Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 21. And I want you to earmark this verse. I want you to write it down. Because this is the foundation of this entire series. It's Proverbs 4, 21 through 23. And it says this, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health to all their body. Verse 23, watch over your what? 
heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. The NIV translation, you might have that. It says guard, watch, guard your heart. And in the Hebrew tense, this is a verb. What does that mean? It means this isn't just, I'm kind of just back here, watch my heart. No, there's actually action involved. You watch your heart here. So the tense here implies that this isn't a passive thing. So listen, this is point number one this morning. Watching over our heart does not happen by accident. Sometimes I wish it would. It's purposeful. That's why we're talking about this this morning. It's purposeful. We have to watch. We have to guard. We have to be mindful of what is happening in here, not just what's going on out there, but how is what's going on out there impacting me here? So watching over our heart requires purposeful, healthy, and intentional place of surrendering things to the Lord. Here's the reality. Every single one of us will have things come up in our heart that we need to bring to the Lord. Not a maybe, not a, well, I'm too good for that. Uh, There's pride right there, right? Every single one of us have things that come up in our heart. We have difficulty, right? Seasons of trouble. I, I love what David says. He says, in the day of trouble, call upon the name of the Lord. But I love that David didn't say, if the day of trouble ever happens to you, call upon the name. No, it's in the day of trouble. Why? Because there are days of trouble. We're not above days of trouble. We're not too godly enough to have to go through trials. The Bible actually promises trial. It promises suffering. I love when, Paul, when, when Saul, when he has that encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road in Acts 9, do you know what, what, what Jesus actually promises? He says, he's actually going to suffer for my name's sake. E. I don't know if I want that when I first encounter the Lord, right? But that's the reality of a believer is we are actually called to suffer for his name's sake. We're actually called to lay our lives down. And I think if we're not, if if we don't see that, there are a lot of people that it's, you know, we talk sometimes about prosperity gospel and different things. You know, there's, there's a gospel that you can come into that actually talks nothing about trial or suffering. It's all about the good things. And that's great. There's so many good things. But also, you got to learn to walk through difficulty with the Lord and process it with him. This is why we have this really popular term right now called deconstruction. It's super popular. It's a thing. It's a movement. It's a deal. And I have my own issues with that word because the word has roots that talk about leaving the faith. So once you go down that road, you're already starting to go down that road. But when we talk about deconstruction, I think part of what, I think part of the issue that people have is actually they don't learn to actually process things with the Lord. And so they begin to process it with a YouTube thing. They begin to process it with TikTokers. 
And what happens is, is they actually begin to walk down that deconstruction path because they're not walking it out with the living and active word that divides joint and marrow and actually can judge the intentions of your heart and actually put you on the right path. Instead, we start to look at other things. Oh, this person's talking about things that mean they're, they're really resonating with me, but God's not in it. God's not in it. And so what happens is you begin to walk, not the narrow road, you widen that path out. And you begin to walk it with other people more than you're walking it out with the Lord. And then faith actually begins to drop in your heart. And actually what happens is at the very base of deconstruction is unbelief. That's where it's headed. And it can start so subtle. Well, what about this, Lord? What about that? And I just want to encourage you. When I was walking through intense levels of difficulty in my life, the number one thing when we're talking about standing firm is this. Process it and ask questions to the Lord. And ask questions to the Lord even more than you're asking other people questions. Asking other people questions is great. I love, I love processing things with trusted people. But if you're not processing it with the Lord, you're actually missing out on what's really going to give you life. All right, that was a rabbit trail. Not in the notes. Listen to this. Proverbs 4, right? From it flow the springs of life. What does that mean? It means life flows from your heart. The state of your heart impacts the way you see God. It impacts your relationships. If you're married, it impacts your marriage. Um, It impacts the way you respond towards people. Have you ever like had a conversation with someone and all of a sudden you find yourself saying things and you go back and you're like, oh my gracious, what was that? What just, was that jealousy? Was it envy? Like what just came out? That's a moment to take a step back and go, what's going on in here? What's going on in here? And I want to say something really, really clear too, because this is really, really important. We need to thank God for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. This is also not on the notes, but I feel like this is important, okay? There's a, lot of, there's a lot of Christians, I think, that don't like conviction. They don't like being convicted by the Holy Spirit. Do you know one of the greatest gifts in you becoming more like Jesus and walking with Jesus is conviction? And I'm not, I'm not just talking about conviction like sin, because every time I say conviction, then it's like, oh, you're talking about all the sin in my life? No, I'm talking about every moment of your day. Conviction is that thing, that inner feeling, that all of a sudden you're walking down the road and you're like, whoa, hold on, something's not right here. Holy Spirit, what is that? Okay, I need to go this way. All right, cool. Right? It's not just about all, it's not just about sin. Conviction is this beautiful compass that the Holy Spirit actually is like, hey, I'm trying to keep you due north. You know, you're you're doing great, Andrew. You're a little south by southwest, but, you know, north. How do I get north? How How do I get 
due true north. You allow the conviction of the Holy Spirit and you don't disregard conviction and begin to get shame and condemnation. You say, Holy Spirit, thank you for convicting me. I'm going to change course. If you disregard the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the more times you disregard it, what will end up happening is is you'll actually begin to disobey him and you'll actually walk in, you'll, you'll start to get into unbelief because you don't want him to change you. All right, I gotta get back on the notes. And this is also why, just, can I just speak really vulnerably as a pastor? This is also why even in leadership and ministry, one thing that my heart grieves for every time I see it happen is when I see a, a leader in the body of Christ leading a church fall. Multiple reasons, right? Why, why that may happen. But I get grieved. Is anybody else with me? Like, I get deeply grieved when I see this happening. When I see, like, like I'm like, Lord, I don't want that to be a news headline. I don't want that to be a news headline over my life. I don't want that to be a news headline over any pastor that I know, over, over anybody that I'm in relationship with. And every time I see it happen, what, what, what happens is, is it's, it's the first Peter thing. Where it says, be sober-minded. Peter's like, you got to be sober-minded. What's sober-minded mean? It's be on the alert. It's, I'm not going to allow anything to get, because listen, the moment you think you're above temptation, the moment you think you're above sin, the moment you think that you're, that, that, that begins to develop pride in your heart. No one's above making mistakes. So we anchor ourselves deeper to him. Yeah. All right, now I really got to get back on. Help me, Lord. So listen, as we lean into this over the next few weeks, we're going to be tackling some specific things that we need to be watching out for. And today I want to focus on one thing, and that is hope deferred. Hope deferred. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Proverbs thirteen twelve. Actually... Proverbs 13, 12. And I want to start, I'm going to just start here for just a second. So in order to process things, we have to realize what happens to your heart when you encounter trouble or trial. I love what Jesus said. Okay, let's just, let's take the words of Jesus. John 14, 1. The disciples are just about to go on a very intense journey. Peter's going to end up denying Jesus. Peter's going to end up trying to cut off a guard's ear. Jesus is going to die on a cross. There's a bunch of trouble that's about to happen. And I love Jesus in this moment. It's this prophetic thing. Jesus almost steps in as this prophetic pastor. And he's like, hey guys, do not let your hearts be troubled. And he says that before anything else happened. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. 
And so Jesus pastors them. He's like, you need to believe. So what is trouble? When I think of trouble, I think of trials, suffering, pain, difficulty, disappointment, trauma, unforgiveness, um, hidden sin is, is trouble. These are all part of what we mean when we say trouble. And when you look at this word in the Greek here, troubled, you know what it means? It means to cause one inward commotion. It's not talking about external. It's talking about what's happening in here. And this is something that I want to be, make very, very clear as we start this, this series, okay? Inward commotion that remains unsurrendered to the Lord will always eventually become outward commotion. Inward commotion never just stays inward commotion. This is why we see things happen over time. It may take time. It may take lots of time, but if you don't deal with that and process it with the Lord, that inward commotion will become outward commotion in some way. You'll be, it'll begin to come out. A troubled heart is a heart that begins to close off first to the Lord and then to other relationships. And listen, it's important too that we say, I'm not talking about having questions in your heart. I'm not talking about having moments of pain and having to navigate issues. We all do this, don't we? Here's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about momentary things as much as I am lasting things. What does he say? He says, anger may last for a night, right? He says, do not let your, right? Do not let the sun go down on your anger is another verse. What's the point? The point is we deal with pain, trials, suffering, all of this all the time. But when we process it with him, we allow the momentary pain to not become lasting inward commotion that begins to make a mess in here before we know it. And time goes on and time goes on and time goes on. And we begin to paint over that thing. So I want to emphasize something. Processing with the Lord is really important. It is really important that we not just process with people, but with the Lord. A troubled heart is a heart that has come to pain, but not through pain. It is a heart that is actually sick. All right, Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. What is hope deferred? Another translation says hope delayed. If I'm deferring something, it's kind of like I'm putting it off. There's a delay. It's when something happens that brings a sense of hopelessness into our hearts. Things like a longing that is taking longer than we think it should take. When things don't happen in the timing, manner, and the way we think they should happen, we can enter into hope deferred if we're not careful. And it's in these moments that we can either process it with him and cling to him and allow him to take them, or it can actually make our hearts sick. It can actually make our hearts sick. But desire fulfilled is a tree of life. 
All right, I want to read a story. I want to read the story of Hannah. So you can turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel 1, and we're going to hang out here for the rest of the service. 1 Samuel 1. This is where I'm going to land the plane this morning. All right, 1 Samuel 1. Now, there was a certain man from Ramathium Zophium, from the hill country of Ephraim, and his name was El- Elkaniah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zupu, Zup, an Ephraimite. Wow. I'm working on it. Come on. Help me out. Let's go, Lord. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah and the name of the other, Penaniah. And Penaniah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man would go up from his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophini and Phinehas, were priests to the Lord there. When the day came that Elkaniah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penaniah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters. But to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival, it's very interesting language, her rival, however, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. It happened year after year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her, so she wept and would not eat. Then Elkaniah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat? And why is your heart, what? Sad. Why is your heart grieved or sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Then Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. Verse 10. She was greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord, and wept bitterly. Verse 11. She made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come On his head. Verse 12. Now it came about as she was content, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli was watching her mouth. Verse 13. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart, only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. Then Eli said to her, How long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. Verse 15, but Hannah replied, no, my Lord, I am a woman oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. It's a very interesting story, passage here. So Hannah can't have children. And what I love about this story is there's a lot of things Hannah could have done. But what she chose to do was pour out her soul before the Lord. She chose to go to the temple, actually. And I love this, verse verse 13, it says she was speaking in her heart. So you can imagine, she's probably going like this. Nothing's coming out. Nothing's coming out. And so in the natural, you're like, what is this woman doing? But you know what's happening What's happening inwardly is she's processing her day of trouble with the Lord. 
She's processing it in her heart. She's pouring out her soul to the Lord. And so this is that moment where she could have held on to pain and hopelessness, but she chose to air it all out before the Lord. Instead of becoming bitter inwardly, she just began to pour out her supplication. She began to lament. She began to pour out, even in anguish and in brokenness and in pain, Lord, I need you. And she processed it with him. She was giving the Lord her hope deferred. And it's in these moments of trouble, like Hannah, where we have a very distinguished choice to make. Either we close the Lord out or we let him in. And I've done both. And I guarantee you most of us in this room could raise our hand and say we've done both. There have been areas that I've been like, that's just too touchy, Lord. But let me tell you something. He wants to process pain with you. It's in these moments, like when we face a choice, we let him in or we close him out. Um, and it's really, really, really important that we understand we cannot hide. You cannot hide. You may think you can hide. Hidden things always become visible. Not maybe. It, it, it's like that verse that talks about darkness. Anything dark always becomes visible when light hits it. Things always become visible. And listen, it's very important that we not allow the enemy to do what he did with Adam and Eve in the garden where we begin to hide. Adam and Eve hid in the garden. And actually God asked them a really profound question. Where are you? Even though he knew where they are. You ever thought about that? Like, Lord, you know where they are. Why are you asking what seems like a rhetorical question? Because God wants you to choose. He wants you to come. And guess what? He's never going to make you come. Because we have free will. I can make a choice to close off or I can make a choice to open. And in this moment, Adam and Eve are in the garden. And, and so God doesn't just care about fixing things and giving you an outcome like a slot machine. He cares more about your heart choosing him than anything else. And the enemy's voice tries to deceive and tell you that you need to hide when trouble comes. Oh, you don't need to process that with the Lord. You don't need to, you don't need to ever talk about that again. And hide the hurting, the broken places of your heart. And it's really, really important that we have a response that says, Lord, I need you and I'm going to process this with you. And so when hope deferred come, it's a moment where you can either dig in and dig deeper or you can fill the hole yourself and attempt to build on a shaky foundation. Have you ever been to a home inspection? Any, any homeowners, right? And the guy's just, you know, he's in there looking at every little thing, right? And the worst, what's the worst thing that could come up on a home inspection? The foundation. It's like a nightmare. You're like, even if you're selling your own house, you're like, Lord, please let the foundation be good. Please. 
It's the worst thing that could happen is for the foundation to, to be something that ends up needing repair or it ends up just needing to be like, we can't build on this. And it's really, really important that we look at our foundation, which is our heart, because the tendency that we can have, if we don't process it with the Lord, we attempt to build higher on a foundation that's shaky. That's what happens in seasons of growth. It would be like if I came up today and we didn't, we didn't talk about this and we were like, hey, we're building and growing, but we're not actually going to deal with the inward commotion. It's like painting your house. It's like if I bought all new appliances, right, and I paint the house and it looks amazing. Like this is the most impeccable house you've ever seen in your life, except the foundation has cracks in it. And you could put 50 grand into that house and it won't sell. Why? The foundation is shaky. They're like, man, that looks great, but the foundation's too shaky. What's my point? If you attempt to build higher and build without addressing the foundation, you end up with walls that have shifted, doors that don't shut or open, cracks in the ceiling. If you don't address the foundation of your heart, you will build something that will not be sustainable because you have not really addressed the issue. And this happens all the time, especially in relationships and marriages. We can, I don't want to process that with my spouse. It's really, really important that we not just put nice pain over something, but that we fix the broken foundation where it needs to be fixed. Our heart is the foundation of how we move through and process everything around you, including God. Listen, putting paint, putting nice paint over a house with a foundation problem is equivalent to trying to solve a problem in a relationship and a marriage by just saying, let's just smile and act like we have it all together. How are you? I'm doing great. <laughs> you know, how many times have I done that as, as a pastor's kid, Right? I've walked in and I'm like, I got to put on a show. I got to put on a face. I got to put on a, f yeah, I'm doing great. Look at the sun outside, you know? How are you, you know, and shifting it to the other person? Tell me about your life. Because I don't want to talk about mine. Why? Because it may look like I have a smile, but something is off here. Something, I have inward commotion. It might be bitterness, it might be jealousy, it might be that I'm struggling with, with something and I'm sh I need to process that. And it's like, it's like attempting to solve a problem with adding new paint. I'm just going to smile. Man, that paint looks nice, doesn't it? Don't look under here though. You know? It's like when your kids clean their room and you walk in there and open the closet. <laughs> you know? Oh, so you didn't really clean your room. Just stuffed it all in the closet. Listen, this is exactly what hope deferred or trouble does. It can lead us to this place if we're not processing it like Hannah did before the load. Hope deferred can lead to depression, anxiety, and actual physical sickness. When we wait for a good thing for so long that the desire and expectation turns to hopelessness, we can become spiritually dried up and vulnerable to the enemy's attacks. This is because we've closed off our heart 
because we haven't seen the outcome we wanted in the timing we wanted. When things happen and when things on the outside look hopeless, the tendency, and listen, here's the thing, you're fighting against human tendency. The tendency of, of human nature is to close down. Hey, Edson, how you doing? Good, man. I don't want you to see my heart, but I'm doing good. How are you? Good, right? We close down. We shut down. Instead of, it's like trying to take a deep breath when you're like this. You know, it's a whole lot easier when you're, you air it out. You open your heart. When it's human nature, natural human response to pain is to do this. This is why we must have a supernatural approach to pain. We can't deal with it on our own. We weren't wired to deal with the issues of life on our own. We were created to do it with the Lord and with trusted community. So how did Hannah handle hope deferred? There's a delay. The miracle, she hasn't seen the miracle. She's pouring out her soul and her heart before the Lord, saying, Lord, I want a child. And she's pouring it out. She's giving him everything. And it's in these moments we can choose to process the Lord or we can choose to contain. And this is what Hannah understood that we need to understand. Our heart was never meant to hold on to pain, sorrow, hopelessness, and discouragement. It was never, you were not created to contain all of that within you. It's not healthy. It's actually, it's a heart sick. If you contain all of that and you're like, it's, it's like equivalent to you walking around with a backpack with bricks in it. You're like, because inwardly the, there's commotion. And so if we hold on to hope deferred, our heart becomes sick. But listen to me, your heart was designed by a creator whose intention is that you bring it to him. You were created in his image and created with a heart that needs Jesus. You were created to need intimacy and relationship. Your heart needs it. And Hannah understood this and she just aired it out before the Lord. Even so much so that they thought she was drunk. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. This is for Samuel 1, 16. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. The answer to hope deferred or hope delayed is pouring it all out before the Lord. And listen, this is really, 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 really important. Hannah was pouring it out before the Lord before she saw any, any sign of the Lord actually providing it for her. She hadn't seen a miracle yet. She hadn't seen the provision yet. She hadn't seen the boy, you know, if, if we're taking it as a single person, maybe for, maybe for you it's, I haven't, I, don't, I haven't found my spouse yet. Or maybe if, if you're called to be single, it's, I just, Lord, keep me in that place, you know? And we process it with the Lord. And so the Lord meets Hannah in her place of need. And we need to see the important thing is to give it to the Lord I'm going to give it to him even if I don't see an outcome change. 
So we have to believe that the Lord can and wants to meet us right in our place of need. And this is where I want to land to. 1 Samuel 1, 19. I love this verse. Then they arose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned again to their house in Ramah. And, the, and Elkaniah had relations with Hannah, his wife. It's a great way to say it. And the Lord, what? Remembered her. Here's what you need to know. When you're in a place of hope deferred or hope delayed and it doesn't feel like the Lord remembers, it doesn't feel like the Lord hears, it feels like everything is going against you, it feels like you, there's no way out of this mountain, there's no way out of this sorrow, there's no way out of this pain, there's no way out of this trauma, there's no way out of this anguish, and you, and, and you step into airing it out with the Lord, here's what you need to understand, the Lord remembers. Amen. He's not a God that forgets. He's not a God that just looks down from heaven and goes, oh man, I'm so sorry you're just dealing with that. Well, you're just going to have to deal with it for long. He remembers. We give areas of our heart to the Lord that, have been, that we have been holding on to and we allow him to carry the burden, not us. Listen, you don't need to be shouldering the burden of the outcome not happening. You don't need to be shouldering the burden of the offense, the unforgiveness, the hurt, the pain, the trauma. You need to let the Lord shoulder that burden. Let him shoulder that burden so that your heart doesn't get sick. God wants us to process our hearts with him so he can fill these places with his hope in his life and say, I remember. Psalm 73, 26 says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Listen, the Lord is the fulfillment of your longings. I love that verse that says, Delight yourself in the Lord. It doesn't just say, The Lord will give you the desires of your heart. He could have started the verse that way. But he started with delight yourself in the Lord. Because as you look at him, you begin to get his desire for your life. You begin to get his desire. You begin to get his, his ability to comfort you. You begin to get his kindness. You begin to get his love. You begin to get his peace, his hope. You begin to see things change even if they haven't actually changed in the natural. They've changed inwardly. Why? Because I'm focused on the only one that can actually heal my heart. He is hope. He is life. The only way to navigate through the things of our heart when we're in a season of, of feeling hope deferred is to open it up. This morning, I want to acknowledge difficulty that many are probably walking through and trials, things that have happened to us that weren't our fault. I want to acknowledge the longings of our heart that are good longings that haven't been fulfilled. I want to acknowledge pain and the feeling of a broken heart. This isn't easy. And if you hear me say this is easy this morning, please don't hear that. That's why we're talking about this. If we hold it in and we don't let him in, then it can and will cause us to have a heart that is sick. But listen, he is full of kindness and love. I love, I, I love Romans 5.5. 5. It says, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. 
the Lord remembers, he sees. And do you know what? His hope doesn't disappoint. So where we have hope deferred or delayed, we need to come back into the perspective with him as we process it with him and say, Lord, I trust that your hope does not disappoint. Why? Because your love has been poured out within my heart through the Holy Spirit that was given to me. And we process that with him. The Lord remembers and he sees and we step back into that place of saying, I don't want to shoulder this burden anymore. I can't. It's eating me up inside. I have to give it to the Lord. Hannah gave it to the Lord. She aired out her heart before the Lord. She said, here you go, God. I don't want to build on a shaky foundation. I want you to deal with the inward things that I might be struggling with. And I trust you to do that. Because you're a good God. I want to end here this morning. If I could have some keys, that'd be great, Wanda. Thank you. I want to end in this place, and I want to pray. I want to pray for those who have been in a, a, a place of hope deferred, a place of hope delayed. I want to pray for those who would say that their heart has been in a place of trouble or a place of hope feeling delayed or even far off. And I want to just give this time. I want to open the front and I want to encourage you with something. Don't leave this room without processing things in your heart before the Lord if you need to. If there's something in your heart that you need to process with him, I, I want to encourage you to process that hope deferred. Process that hope delayed. I haven't seen it. I don't know when it's coming. I don't know. But I'm going to process that with you. I'm going to spend time laying it all out before the Lord and opening my heart and saying, you can have my heart. You can have the disappointment. You can have the disappointment. Lord, I thought by now I'd see this. I thought by now I'd be here. I thought by now I'd have all this. And it hasn't happened. And you're like, oh, Lord, what is going on? And I want to encourage you, ask that question to him. Allow him to take that burden. Don't shoulder that burden by yourself. And so if that's you, I just want to invite you forward to the front. If there's anybody in the room, and I just want to pray for us. Lord, we're going to deal with these things in our heart. going to do what Hannah did. We're going to air it all out. We're going to pour out our soul to you. I want to encourage you, if there's hidden things that you've been holding on to, I want to encourage you to get it into the light with the Lord. 
He already knows it's there, but something happens when you air it out to him. Give it to him. You open your heart. Lord, I know you see this, but I just want, I just want to acknowledge that this is a pain in my heart right now. I want to acknowledge that my, my soul is in anguish, Lord, that, that I've been struggling, Lord. I want to acknowledge that I've been trying to figure it out on my own, and I need you. I need you. actually locked in hope deferred to the point that you haven't actually mourned you haven't actually even let out emotion of that thing this is part of what airing it out means before the Lord is we just have to give it to him such a strong way, Lord, that they would step into the nearness of the Lord as their good. The nearness of the Lord as their good, Lord. And so this morning, we give burdens to you. We give um, trauma, Lord. We give broken places, Lord. Things that we're like, I don't want to touch that, Lord. We give you permission to come in as the great Father. And to come in and say, my hope does not disappoint for the love that I have for you. May it be poured out in your heart this morning. The love of God fills hearts in the room. We give you disappointment. We give it to you, Lord. Would you come and heal our hearts? Would you come and comfort our hearts? Would you lead us? Would you guide us? that are that are up at the front or for those that are 
processing things with the Lord, Lord, I ask you that there'd be a realization that the Lord sees them. The Lord remembers, he sees, he's not forgotten the things that you're going through. He's not forgotten, he's not far off. He's not just like, oh, you just deal with that on your own. He wants to go through it with you. wants to say, do not let your hearts be troubled, but believe also in me. Believe also in me. Lord, we bring it to you, Lord. We bring it to you, Lord. We bring it to you, Lord. fulfilled? Would you be the one that we look to, the one who can, who can take our hearts, the one who can heal our hearts, the one who can restore, the one who brings restoration? And I just felt for some, one thing that maybe you need to process before the Lord is you just need to even declare, Lord, I'm done hiding. Done hiding. I'm not gonna hide anymore. I'm not gonna hide anymore. I'm not gonna hide this pain I feel anymore. I'm not gonna hide these places in my heart anymore, Lord. I give it to you. I open up. Here's my heart. Here's my hope deferred. thank you that you can be the comforter. You can be the strong tower even when we feel like the thing that we're looking for is delayed. We trust you. I just felt a few things. One, delays in healing. Delays with maybe it's getting married. Maybe you're a single in the room and that, that's a desire that, that's in your heart. It may not be a desire for everybody, but if that's a desire for you, I felt like the Lord wanted to minister to you. Not to get weary in the waiting. Not to grow weary in the waiting. Psalm 27 says, I would have despaired unless I would have known that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. But then the next verse is to wait for the Lord. Be strong and take courage. So Lord, this morning we encourage, we impart courage into hearts, Lord. We say courage in waiting seasons. Courage when we haven't seen it yet. We thank you that you remember. You see, you see. take that thing and actually begin to to speak to you more about more about that thing than you've allowed God to and this morning the Lord wants to be the loudest voice that you hear there's not accusation there's not shame there's not condemnation there's just the voice of God saying I love you I want to do this with you 
And Lord, we just say, Lord, would you keep our hearts tender and open before you? Keep our hearts tender and open before you. We give you our questions. We give it to you. I want to encourage you, even if you're not up here, if the Lord brings something up, I want to encourage you to deal with that with him. It's really, really important that we not try to continue to build on a foundation that's shaky, but that we come to the Lord and say, Lord, I want my foundation secure. I want to be able to stand firm. In the day of trouble, call upon the name of the Lord. We call upon your name. You don't need to do this alone. The Lord wants to do it with you. And also there's people, there's community that want to come alongside you. You're not alone. You're not having to process this alone. He's here. He's there. He's an ever-present help in time of need. As we, as we close out, Lord, we just come even just as a church family this morning and we just say, Lord, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the growth. Thank you for the way that you're building us, Lord. But even as a church, as a leadership team, as, as the senior pastor here, Lord, I just say I'm not gonna build on a foundation where you wanna check some things, Lord. I make myself available to check Help me, Lord, anything that I need to process as we step into this season. Anything that we need to process, Lord. Like it says in Psalm 51, and David was pouring out his soul to the Lord after he had just committed his biggest mistake. He said, a broken and contrite heart, Lord, you will not despise. What is that? It's a heart that is humble and just wants to kneel before the Lord. That word contrite actually means to crouch. Lord, we come as a church family and we just in humility say, Lord, you're taking this, Lord. You're doing it, Lord. Keep us in a place of humility. Keep us in a place of crouching down before you. season so that we really can run and not grow weary walk and not be faint so that we really can rise up on eagles wings lord we thank you that from our heart flow the springs of life lord 
We don't want to look through life and through circumstances with a, with a cloudy filter, Lord, of disappointment, a cloudy filter of pain and trauma, Lord. We want you to take that so that we can see clearly. So would you lift off burdens in the room? Would you lift off burdens in the room? Would you open our eyes, Lord, as Paul said in Ephesians 1, verse 18, he said, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be awakened, that you would know the hope of your calling, which is in Christ Jesus. Lord, open our eyes. Open the eyes of our heart, Lord. Allow us to see you. Allow us to see you through the difficulty, through the trouble. Allow us to see you. We want to see you. We want our vision to be clear so that we even know the road ahead, Lord. We don't want to be disillusioned. We don't want to remain stuck. give it, shoulder this burden, Lord. I don't want to take this burden any longer. Here's my heart. online or maybe you're in the room and you've actually had really awful and terrible things that have been done to you and I saw the Lord coming into that place and just saying I want to I want to process that with you I want to be in that place with you I want to come and I want to heal your heart from that thing ministry team, if they could come up. If you need prayer or if, as you feel led, if you want to pray for someone up here, that'd be great. We're just going to stay in this place. 
So if you want to have conversation, you can go out in the foyer. Let's just stay in this place. If you need prayer for something else, you can come to one of these up front or altar ministry team. But I just want to encourage you, if you're up front and you're in this place, to stay in this place. If you're watching online, just wherever you're at, just continue to keep your focus on Him. For everybody else, you're free to go. Thanks for coming. Glad you came. We love you. We're thankful for you. Have an amazing Thanksgiving. We'll see you next Sunday.